Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We want to thank you for listening to this chapel message. Our mission at Southeastern is to seek to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. We hope that you enjoy this chapel message and that you will visit our website. It's www.sebts.edu. There you can learn more about our school and what the Lord is doing here. We hope you enjoy the message. Thank you for being a part of what we're doing here. Why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We're, we're excited because we're the people of God. Uh, use this time to bless your people, the ones that are present and the ones that are tuning in online. Uh, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a movie back in 2000 called The Patriot. <clears throat> Starred Mel Gibson and then the late uh, Heath Ledger. Uh, it was all about a fictional character named Benjamin Martin. Benjamin Martin was a veteran of the French and Indian War. At the time the movie opens up, he's now a simple farmer, he's a widower, he lives with his seven children, desiring nothing more than to live a peaceful life. Well, there's a problem. The Martins lived during the time of the American Revolution, and therefore they lived during a time where there was intense war. He doesn't want any parts of it, so he tries desperately to sort of just mind his business and live his pacifist ways. And his son sneaks, and he actually enlists in the army. Turns out that his son one day comes running home, the British are following him, and they come to the doorstep of the Martins, and they capture the son, and in the midst of it all, they kill one of the other sons and set the house on fire and take Martin, Gibson's son, off to be hung. The very war that he wanted to avoid came to his doorstep. Well, he then goes upstairs in the midst of the flames. He goes to this chest. He opens it. He reaches inside, pulls out all manner of weaponry. He grabs his two small sons, had to be like eight or nine, maybe even younger than that, and he runs after those who've taken his son to hang him. He gives his two little sons muskets, long-barreled shotguns, and he says, I want you to snipe at the British military army while I go and get our brother and son back. The two little ones begin to pick off the British military army while Mel Gibson, in Mel Gibson fashion, spazzes out and with two machetes (laughs) chops down everybody else. All I thought to myself in that movie is how important it is for everybody in the family to know how to fight. Especially because everybody in the family is involved in the war. This morning, our text leads us to be mindful that every Christian is involved in a war, no one can decide they want the peaceable life and that they can avoid being a part of the world, the war. So we must all know how to fight since we're all in the war. And the question on the floor is, are you armed and are you ready? The text I'm referring to is Ephesians 6 to 20. You perhaps know it. It's about what Christians have known as the armor of God, the armor of God. Turn with me there to Ephesians chapter 6. And let's just read it. Ephesians 6, starting with 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. 
Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. You see here in this text, there's a battle that we're in. There's armor that we have and there's prayers that we need. First, 10 and 12, 10 to 12 talks about the battle that we're in. Don't be fooled, there is a battle. We can't see it often, but it's a real battle. It's kind of like the cloud. I remember when they start telling me, don't worry, just let it go to the cloud. I was like, go to the cloud, where's the cloud? And what happens if something goes wrong with the cloud? Hand me my floppy disk. That was back in floppy disk. Hand me my thumb drive. That was back in thumb drives. Uh, I need something more than something I can't see was the goal. That's, that's before the time of streaming. I wanted to go in and see my album on the shelf. Uh, they said, hey, you know, people don't even carry those things anymore. They just stream. Um, this is much like that. It's, it's very real even though you don't see it. Like Benjamin Martin, many of us may think, I don't want to be a part of this war, whether you can see it or not. Some of us say we want the Christian life to be the blessed life, uh, the life that's made with like the American dream. Maybe you've moved to the serene setting of the suburbs, the quiet recesses of the rurals, uh, even jump, the jumping scenes of gentrified cities. <laughs> you say, I just decided I'm going to go wherever there's a Starbucks and a Chick-fil-A and a Chipotle all within walking distance. <laughs> or better yet, how about this? We plant churches that we plan on succeeding at. We do conferences. We start kingdom diversity initiatives. All of that is good. Just don't forget, all of that is still smack dab in the middle of a war zone. (laughs) Regardless of who you are, where you are, it's on Battle Zone Boulevard in War Street. He begins, finally, verse 10, which transitions to say, after all that I've said, I'm about to say something else. So in conclusion, to crescendo everything that I've said, I'm gonna give you some more instructions, but first, remember what he said. In chapter one, he talked about this God. I love the way our sister, uh, Amy Whitfield, said this morning, God, you wanted a people for yourself. The Bible says in chapter one that God determined to have that people for himself. 
that he loved and chose that people, that he blessed that people. Chapter 2 in Ephesians says he saved that people uh, and he's growing that people together into one family. Chapter 3 says he's chosen to get glory from that people. It's through him. It's through the church that God shows off his mind-blowing and multifaceted wisdom. That's what God has done and that's the predicate for what we do on a regular. What God has done graciously is supposed to affect what we do habitually or regularly. 4 to 5 basically says we're supposed to live in concert with one another as one people. Then he says that we should live in contrast to those around us who are not part of that one people as a holy people. And then we live Christianly uh, in whatever category of life uh, that God has placed us, husbands, wives, and the like. In other words, there's a picture here before the finally comes up. It's the ideal Christian life. The ideal Christian life is where you go to the ideal church, Talked about the church making the most of the time. They're singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I go to the ideal church, and I live in an ideal home. My husband loves me like Christ loves the church, and my wife submits to me as unto the Lord, and my children obey me, and my servants are nice, and the masters are nice, and all of us are living the ideal Christian life. And then the record has the needle go across it. Don't forget that even all of that ideal Christianity needs this next piece I'm going to say. Finally, you need a reality check. There's a battle. You need supernatural power, a.k.a. you need a unique kind of armor because you face a unique kind of enemy. The Bible wants us to know that there's a reason why right now I believe the church often finds itself in conflicts and trials and tribulations, especially one with another. Told Dr. Aiken this morning, I said, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this passage is because it makes sense of why right now people who used to live in harmony together are now arguing with one another. Statements are being released and things you normally would affirm now people are saying I can't sign or affirm that statement Because right now there's some disconnect between the ones who sign it and the ones who say I won't sign it Even though most people would say I agree with what's being said There's a reason why those who used to plant churches together now don't want to have anything to do with each other There's a reason why when we come to this institution, there's a kingdom diversity initiative But when kingdom diversity has their initiatives only enough people to fit in a small room with about 14 chairs in a circle Only people who come to it can fit in that room. I Said this makes sense the devil is always warring to ruin God's ideal. The ideal is God has a people, God saves the people, God unifies the people and gets glory through that people. Ah. Yeah. He says, finally, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the heavenly places. This is a battle. First, we see it's serious business. The battle is serious business. You, you can't use your own strength. Be strong in the Lord. It could be translated, uh, be strengthened by the Lord because it's not you swelling up, dropping down and doing a few push-ups. 
Be strong in the Lord is really be strengthened by the strength that's in the Lord. Early in the first chapter, 19th verse, he talked about the Lord Jesus. There's a divine resurrection power. The same power it took to raise Christ from the dead is the power that's at work, that's being dispensed and downloaded for our access. Be strong in the Lord because in the Lord there's a power source that you don't have outside of the Lord. He says you need a special kind of armor, full body. Put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? This comes from not only the, 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 the armor that God will supply you, it's the armor that God himself in the Bible has been known to wear. So it's the armor God supplies and the armor that God wears. Yahweh in the Bible is called a warrior. He goes out and he tramples on his enemies. He goes out. Isaiah 59, 16 to 17 says, God saw there was no man, Wondered that there was no, no one to intercede, so he got in on the action and he suited up. Verse 17 says, he put on righteousness as a blessed breastplate, a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. It's this picture of Yahweh saying, I'm going to battle. Oh, be strengthened by the fact that if you're in him, that Yahweh is not battling against you. That Yahweh is battling for you. And he will give you his clothes when it's time for you to go to battle. Oh, if you remember, little David rejected a king's clothes. Saul's armor. He said, I haven't tested it. Oh, Southeastern and beyond. May we not reject our king's clothes and say, we haven't tested them. <laughs> May we be those who are in the regular practice of wearing the armor that God provides, in fact, the armor that God himself wears. All oh, the language lets you know that this is serious business. The fact that you're talking armor, the fact that you're not just talking, again, if you talk about a cop and a cop comes, takes his hat off, how you doing, ma'am? How you doing, sir? Oh, but what if that same cop comes in riot gear? You know that there's a different kind of engagement. Put on the whole armor is a different kind of engagement. One time I went to play paintball and they set you down and you think you're going to have fun and then they get real serious on you. <laughs> They're like, all right, and I'm going to tell you something. Now this paintball can knock your eye clear to the back of your head and that's true. But be strengthened in these goggles. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and then what they're saying is I'm going to give you the nature of how to engage on this paintball battlefield and that's supposed to take the fear you have and turn the, the fear into the fun <laughs> he says there is no fun here there's no fun in games but there is the promise that because you can find strength in the fact that God is sending you out in his own battle fatigues this is serious business is standing business he says put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand stand is really the crux of this kind of battle and how we engage it verse 11 you may be able to stand verse 13 the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day probably in the, the worst possible scenario you could stand having done all to stand firm stand verse 14 this is all about standing we're not gaining new ground the Bible says 122 Jesus has triumphed over all the rulers over all the authorities when he got up out of the grave he looked at them and said uh take that and then he said now the war is over 
So we're not aiming for, we're not trying to gain any kind of uh, victory. We have the victory, and yet he says, wear the armor because those who've been defeated still like to throw darts. This is standing business. This is spiritual business that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against something he calls the rulers and against the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Hmm, unseen but very real. This enemy we find out, a few things in this text about the enemy. Chiefly, it's the devil, and then his entourage, his scheme, the powers, the authorities. These in the Bible are behind-the-scene characters that in chapter 2, he says they are at work in the sons of disobedience. So the flesh and blood that we don't wage against, human beings are not the real enemy, but there is something that often shows up through the vehicle or the instrument of humans. You remember what Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. We don't believe that Satan was actually, uh, that Peter was actually Satan, but Satan was behind the scenes maneuvering this Peter. Oh, the Bible makes clear that Jesus stands against the Satan who's behind the scenes. Look at this. Generally speaking, the Bible says, because the Ephesians would have understood the reality of spiritual warfare. The occult was popular. You remember in Ephesus, they, it was there that they came and had a bonfire burning all of their occultic paraphernalia. They didn't need convincing that there was a behind-the-scenes world that made itself known in the visible. But sometimes for us, we don't sort of see the devil as real. Some people try to make him just a principle of evil. Some people say, no, these cosmic powers and rulers are just social systems. Well, they may be instruments. However, behind the scenes is an actual devil with actual demons who have actual power. John 8 says that he's a liar. Revelation 12, 9 says he's a dragon and he's always especially after people who bear the mark of Jesus Christ. A cop friend of mine told me they're told not to wear wedding rings. He says, because if someone wants to do me harm, one of their brightest ideas is to harm those that are closest to us. It's as though the devil knows that God has a unique affection for his church, and that's why most of his weaponry is aimed straight at it and straight at us. Ephesians 2 says he's working at those in disobedience, and the devil likes to mess with God's people. He's good at religion, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 4 to 15 says that his ministers go out. So that means that Satan has people who like to get dressed up and who like to go to church and who actually can exegete a text. Lemuel Haynes, one of the earliest black preachers in America, said this, Satan is a very successful preacher. He draws a great number after him. No preacher can command hearers like him. He mixes truth with error in order to make it go well or to carry his point out. <laughs> Satan is a very laborious, wearied preacher. He has been in the ministry almost 6,000 years, and yet his zeal is not the least abated. I like that. In other words, this is the one he says, take up the full armor of God because you're facing an enemy who has been around for a while. He loves to mess with the church in particular. He's a liar, he's a murderer, and he wants to do especially the church harm. 
He contaminates church discipline in 2 Corinthians 2 by making people think in the name of holiness that they they don't need to embrace a repentant sinner. He says, oh, don't do that. Replace them. Don't give Satan uh, any kind of foothold by you keeping a repentant sinner out of the unity of the fellowship of the saints. He attacks marriages, some marriages in Corinth. They used to say, we're real spiritual. We don't even do it with each other. He says, no, 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 don't stay away too long. You'll let the devil get in. Y'all better go ahead and do what God has blessed you to be able to do together. This is the enemy we face. And I believe that he is at work among us in particular in our day. How about you? Are you aware that he's at work? Well, don't fear. In light of the battle we're in, in light of the enemy we face, there's an armor we have, 13 to 17. He says, therefore, connecting it, since you got this kind of enemy, take up the whole arm of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You know, Christ doesn't beam his people up and out, but he parachutes us in. Star Trek, sometimes it gets so tough, they warp speed away from the trouble. There is no such setting for the Christian. The Lord Jesus prayed it in John 17. Don't take them out, Lord. Just armor them up. Armor them up and protect them from the evil one. This one that we're talking about right here. And so he gives us armor. And the armor is quite, there's some allusion to the Roman soldier who would have sort of been equipped in, in, in armored gear. But more specifically, Paul is undergirding his description of the armor and how it affects us by looking at uh, the way the armor is sort of depicted in the Old Testament, particularly Isaiah. So let's just look at the armor. First of all, stand therefore having fastened the belt of the truth. Isaiah eleven five says, righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness. It's a Hebrew word that actually can be translated truth. So the truth may be, is the belt of his loins. The truth may be speaking truth or the truth of the gospel, or the truth could be inner truth, integrity, character. I like the preachers that say, let's not argue about these things. These things go hand in hand. The one who has truth in the inward place would be the one who speaks truth to the person who's beside them. Oh, there's truth. The role that truth plays in the life of the, the people of God. The belt is not like ours. It was more like an apron under everything to sort of hold everything together. So fundamentally, the people of God ruin Satan's plans when they walk in truth. Tr tr Satan loves lies. He speaks it, it's his native language, he's fluent. And yet, when we walk in truth, we actually foil his plans. The rapper Eminem sort of, uh, he sort of specialized in and popularized the technique of battling, but the battle, he would take ammo from those who would seek to do him harm by telling the truth about himself. He would put his own self down, talk about his own broken relationships, his own mom, and he would basically you and the, the, the enemy would say, I don't even know what to say. You basically have ruined everything I wanted to say. We can actually ruin Satan's plans by just being undergirded with truth. He says, put on the belt of truth. God is faithful. Put on faithfulness of character that results in speaking truthfully. Hmm. 
He says, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, okay? We're standing by putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Isaiah 59, 17 again, he put on righteousness as a breastplate. The breastplate would have protected all the major organs. The breastplate would have been something that you would have to have in order to go to battle. Oh, the theologians say, is this the imputed righteousness that God gives his people? They say, well, these are more relational terms. So this may be more the righteous character, once again, of the people of God. That Satan wants to ruin our holiness. It is our holiness that's part of the distinguishing mark of the people of God. That's what he would attack. Certainly did it to David. Certainly did it throughout the ages. And yet, he says, put on righteousness as though it were guarding the very organs that you have that you need to survive righteousness in the community dr MacArthur recently has been defending what he believes is an aberration of gospel truth and one of his things is i hear the spirit of victimization People keep asking people to join and help them because they're being victimized. And the only thing I could think of is, I'm sure there'll probably be some people out there like that. But he doesn't seem to make a category for, what about people who are just begging for the righteousness that God's people are fond of, which is the rightness, the justice, that God's people are fond of happening for people who don't have as much power to make it happen for them like it happens to others. In other words, I'm not saying I'm a victim. I'm just saying, don't you love righteousness? <laughs> don't you speak truth in the inners? Well, since you're my friend, I just wanted you to help me to get a little bit of that righteousness. <laughs> in the community, can we have that righteousness? Satan would love to tear us apart. Oh, righteousness. He says, and then 15, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Oh, that goes back to Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful on the mountains of the one who comes bringing good news. When you have good news, a lot of times you're eager to go in. You're ready. You're prepared. I got good news about peace. Suppose you have to, the doctor has to come in and tell you bad news. You have two weeks to live. They walk a little more slowly. Suppose they have news. The cancer is gone. They come in quick, I got good news, the cancer is gone. It's a whole different, he says, have your feet undergirded, shod with the readiness to take the gospel that brings peace. People need to know that in a world where everyone is fussing and everyone is fighting and everyone is divided, we can run in and tell them there's a way to be reconciled because he is our peace who made the two one. He has made peace with his blood. This is what we're ready to go and take to someone. He says, have your feet. Satan would hate it as you go out eager to proclaim the gospel that unifies enemies, that reconciles those who've been far away. Verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which, you can, which can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. This is a door-sized shield usually draped in leather, soaked in water, so that when the, the arrows come, it could extinguish the, 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 the flaming darts. Well, basically what he's saying is, as we continue on this battlefield, you're not always gonna be able to know which way to look. But there's one way we can always look. Internally, we can look up in faith and believing the one who is righteous and who's faithful. 
In other words, Satan is going to shoot two things at us at least. He's going to shoot, has God not said or has God actually said? Arrows of doubt or arrows of accusations. He says, when you're confident of who God has, again, remember chapters one all the way to chapter six. When you're confident that my salvation doesn't rest on me, he's predestined me before I could do anything. When you're confident that God has already laced you with all you need, you don't have to worry about backup won't come. He's given us every spiritual gift in heavenly places or heavenly blessings. When you're confident in who he is, when you have faith in him, he says the enemy cannot do what he can do to people who take matters in their own hands because their faith in God runs short. You remember Abraham and Sarah? God's taken too long. And they brought in Ishmael. God says, wait for me. <laughs> I got Isaac in the queue. Take the helmet of salvation, verse 16, 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Isaiah 59, 17, he put on righteousness as a blessed plate and a helmet of salvation on his head. We have to look at where else Paul has used this imagery in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9. He says, let us be sober. Like, let's, 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 let's see things rightly. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Oh, so this is a helmet to guard you is the great hope you have that ultimately, if everything bottoms out, we've been saved. We've been saved. He says, go out there knowing this for certain, you have been saved. He keeps going, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Time would fail, we could go into this. We're a Bible school or a Christian school, central is the Bible. Fellow professors, may we open the Bible. May we make our points, including the Bible. <laughs> Students, bring a Bible. He says, you use this, the only offensive weapon, it's the, the sword that the Spirit energizes, that the Spirit gave us, it's the Word of God. 11.4, and Isaiah says, he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. It is actually an offensive weapon, and yet they say a best, the best defense is a good offense. Sometimes they say the best offense is a good defense. Well, this does both. It's part of the standing arsenal and yet it is actually the way we defeat Satan oh you remember the temptations of Christ don't you Satan came up to him and said hey I got away you why should you be hungry why don't you eat the Lord Jesus said it is written three times it is written it is written it is written he used that and the Bible says and then the devil went away <laughs> till an opportune time Martin Luther said Though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear for God as will his truth to triumph through us. What truth? The biblical truth, the truth of who he is as revealed in the scriptures. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. What word? Only God's word can fail him. Hmm. He says, the battle you're in requires the armor you need. The armor is yours. Take it up. 
Lastly, the prayers we need. 1820. This is not really separate. It sort of connects to the sword of the spirit, but it really links all these things. Do all of these things, praying at all times in the spirit, verse 18, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Oh, really what this is just saying is you need all kinds of prayers. I like it. Uh, um, our president's son one time preached at our church. He says, this is real simple. Timothy teaches us make all manners of prayers for all manners of people. And that's what we can say here. Pray at all times for all the saints keeping alert because there's always a time to pray and there's always a benefit in prayer. How much have we prayed about our conflicts today? How much do we pray about our unity, which has been facilitated by kingdom diversity, which has been facilitated by common missions, which has been facilitated by conferences and church plants? How much prayer do we go into into nurturing it? Because it says all times. One, one commentator said, most of us, we do we pray sometimes in the spirit with some prayers. We keep alert, making supplication for some of the saints. He said, oh, we could just switch the word some with all. He says, and then the devil has to back up. This is really saying that you can do all of the other things, but without being plugged into the power source, you can't do all of the other things. You know, every now and then your laptops get those weak, well, Weak batteries, I guess back when laptops had batteries. And if you still have a laptop that has a battery, that's kind of old. <clears throat> However, you remember the, battery, the ones that you have to keep plugged up because they don't hold the charge? So you always need the power in order to be able to benefit from the equipment. The Bible says, guess what? I haven't made this so you can unplug from me. <laughs> You never will be able to hold this charge. You must always be plugged up in dependence to me because I am the power source. All prayers, all times, all saints. <laughs> Look at this last part. Paul's prayer for himself, it becomes the prayer that I have for us. Paul says, and also for me, verse 19, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul right now is a prisoner, so he knows all too well that the battle is fierce. He knows all too well that Satan is unrelenting. He knows all too well that Satan takes no prisoners. <laughs> but Jesus Christ makes prisoners. And these prisoners say, ah, I'm chained, but the gospel is not. Pray that I will continue to be faithful to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That I will begin to keep that shield of faith and believe God even though I'm in prison. What are you going through right now? He says, pray that I will continue regardless of how fierce the battle gets. For Paul, it's so fierce, I'm now threatened in terms of my life. All I'm saying is right now, Southeastern, may the Lord God remind you that he's done it all, chapters 1 to 6. And when you get to verse 10, he says, but finally remember, all that he's done still has to be experienced on a battlefield. He goes on to say, this is the prayer that we would continue. Great war movie, Saving Private Ryan, immediately baptizes you into the horror of battle, the fierceness of it. 
Back in the days, they used to say, we do more before 6 a.m., 5 a.m., one of them, than most people do in a whole day. And you see guys having fun. They got their little uh, computers. They're propelling off of uh, mountains. It looks fun. Join the army. Reserves. I remember it. <laughs> then Saving Private Ryan comes out, and you're like, I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> but there's a scene where there's a young soldier behind a wall around the corner is his friend about to be killed by a man with a knife. He's there with an automatic weapon, fully loaded. He's crying. He's too afraid to go around the corner, though he is armored with something that could defeat the man with the knife. His friend dies because of it. May we not have the armor of God but fail to appropriate it so that the enemy causes more casualties than he needs to since we have the armor and he doesn't. You don't know. We don't have the strength, but we close with this. Yet again from Martin Luther. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing I like that we're not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing <laughs> dost ask who that may be Christ Jesus it is he Lord Sabaoth his name from age to age the same and he must win the battle he's won pick up the armor Gracious God and Father, we thank you. We pray that you will fuel, motivate, encourage, empower, bless, send us in the strength fully clothed in the armor that you provide, the armor that you wear, to the end that Christ would be glorified and the world would continue to hear ambassadors go and proclaim this gospel, this good news of peace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to this chapel message from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. If you are thinking about theological education on the undergraduate or graduate level, including doctoral studies, we hope that you consider us. If you also find these chapel messages encouraging and a blessing to your walk with Christ, we hope that you will consider financially supporting Southeastern. Our graduates are literally serving the kingdom across this globe, working to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Your gifts will help to train more, and they will serve as a worthwhile investment in God's kingdom. You can find more information about attending Southeastern or supporting us financially at www.sebts.edu. We covet your prayers and trust that God will bless every good work you do for His glory. Thank you for joining us in our chapel services.